Well, thank you so very, very much for allowing me to be part of the conference. It's been my distinct pleasure to be at every conference and at every session. And I'm humbled today to be able to speak to you on this morning's session. But I made a resolve this year that even though my wife and I were scheduled to come and that didn't work out, that I was going to attend every session, which means that I had the opportunity to spend some time early morning with your church, but then with pastors. And just about the time we were finished, the sun was coming up, and it was just a blessing to spend the night in church amongst God's men. I, uh, I miss the fellowship, and even though uh, some would know me as not quite as social as other people, I just want you to know I, I miss the, uh, the tea time, not so much the food, although I love the food there, but just the fellowship and the camaraderie and to talk about different things that God has going on in different parts of the world. I wanted to let you know that uh, today for us here in the United States, uh, we are celebrating Memorial Day today, which is in some way, shape, or form similar to Anzac, obviously totally different uh, historical facts, but as you honor at Anzac Day, uh, we honor today in America the military fallen and other responders who've fallen. And so you'll see that uh, we have uh, in front of our pulpit red, white, and blue and some American flags. Uh, that's not an arrogant American statement. It's just the decorations that we have right now for this season at our church. And may I say we're very excited. We're just, just a couple of weeks away from reopening. And we're looking forward when people walk back in that they uh, have a sense that God is still in control. And we're going to be just a little bit patriotic. That God still can in America and around the world. So you'll see the decoration and it's not making a statement. It's just what's been here now. We put it up and we're decorating our auditorium for people to be able to come back in and, and feel a sense of, of well-being. Patriotism for us does that. I want you to know also that uh, we have people that are fasting and praying for the conference and for people in different parts of the world that I know of. I just sent out a, what we call our watchmen and told them to please pray and then for my wife to please pray for her. So I want you to know that we're praying, there's fasting going on and we want the best for everybody that's tuned in. We want the best for what you're doing around the world for our Lord Jesus Christ. Since this started, we began uh, to not be able to assemble ourselves together. Uh, we've done something here at our church that we're continuing to carry on, and I speak, and usually it's just myself and another person here with the sound ministry, but before we start, there's a violinist that comes in, knows the schedule of when I'm going to speak, and for at least a half an hour, 35 minutes before I speak, the violinist plays as incense unto the Lord. 
David, if you would, had music going on at the ark in Jerusalem every morning, every evening. And then he had music going on at the tabernacle in, in uh, Gibeah every morning, every evening. And so we decided, and this was just something that God put upon somebody's heart and touched somebody's heart, that every time before I speak, at least for 20 to 30 minutes in the auditorium, nobody here, just us getting ready to go, that musical incense, as unto the Lord, goes up. And we've done that prior to this live broadcast with Good Shepherd Baptist Church Conference today. Incense is so important unto our Lord. The giving of thanks unto His name. We know when we're filled with the Spirit, we sing to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making a melody. But we also, we know we submit ourselves one to the other. But the other thing that happens when we're filled with the Spirit is we give thanks for all things. Whether it be things we understand or things that we don't understand, we continually give thanks. And David said, let my prayer be set forth as, as sweet incense. And so we put up musical incense unto the Lord. It's not for us. Obviously, it's not to entertain anybody because nobody's sitting in the seats. But it's as unto the Lord. And we've been doing that faithfully through this period of time. Honoring Him. We want Him to be pleased. And I know he's pleased thus far with this conference. Thank you for the good music. Thank you for the musicians. Thank you for the singers. Thank you for all that has been put into this conference. And, and I want you to know uh, I'm just learning how to Zoom. Zooming is something I've never done until this season of the virus came. And now uh, I come to the church and, uh, and it's all set up for me and I sit down and I have to just uh, push a couple things. One time I was talking for five minutes and uh, the person on the other end was trying to tell me to uh, unmute myself. I just got wired up and fired up and I was going at it and they were kept pointing to me and pointing to me. And I thought, well, maybe, maybe I got a stain on my shirt and what they were trying to tell me is you're muted. So we got that worked out. And then last night, uh, I had Andrew there over at Good Shepherd Baptist. He kind of walked me through as a little child on my iPad. I was doing it from my home last night, and I'd never done it on an iPad before. So he was kind of, now type this in, now go over here, now do this. And then I appreciate the kindness and patience of the uh, coordinator there helping to uh, help me last night. I, I didn't know that I was muted last night and, and down in that bottom corner. So what I'm saying is I'm inept when it comes to all this electronics, but I want you to know I'm growing and enjoying it. Really enjoying it. Enjoying the fellowship, the camaraderie. Being able to see each other's face. It's been special. So let's this morning, if you would, let's take a moment just a brief word of prayer. You've probably already prayed, but let's make sure we put up some collective incense this morning 
that God empowers us. Please listen. We all need to be filled with the Spirit, not just the preacher, but every listener. That God would impress upon us something with edification, tutor us, guide us, teach us something personally this morning. And I pray that he would help us to come out of this meeting in a way that we just knew that God filled us. God's not limited to our assembling ourselves together. We have a little saying in our church that we've used since this started. Out of church is not out of touch. Out of church is not out of touch. Not out of touch with each other and out of church is not out of touch with God. God can still touch us. And I pray he does that this morning. Let's join together. Please with me in a word of prayer. Would you bow your heads? I'll give a brief prayer is all. Let's pray. Our Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we know we have opportunity to come into thy throne room. We know you say to come in boldly, but we also come in very humbly. And Lord, we come in this morning like little children. We don't know how to go out. We don't know how to come in. And we need you. We know without you, nothing can be accomplished. We pray you'll give the increase this morning. We pray with thanksgiving above everything else. We turn and thank you. We don't want to be the healed lepers that don't give thanks. We want to be the one that turns around and shouts with a loud voice, thank you for taking away our leprosy. And giving this the opportunity to understand the word of God. Please, please bless in a special way. May we learn something from thy word today that stays with us the rest of this life that we live now. Bless the ladies' sessions. Bless all the meetings, the private conversations between people that will go on subsequent to this morning. Please, Lord, bless your word. And if someone doesn't know Christ as Savior yet, please draw them to yourself. We pray this in Jesus' name, and amen. With your Bibles, turn to the book of 1 Samuel, please. 1 Samuel. And in 1 Samuel, please turn to verse number, or chapter number 30. 1 Samuel, chapter number 30. We're speaking just a little bit about leading in crisis. And I want to just ask you to look at one specific point, but we'll read just a couple verses to get to that point. Stay with me if you would. Again, it's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to be with you. I've had the opportunity to attend every uh, conference through the years, and I'm so happy to be a part of this one. And I mean that with all my heart. First Samuel chapter number 30, uh, David has now with his men uh, been on the run from Saul who's chasing him. And if you would, David is returning back to a place where all the, the women and the children, it's the city where his uh, army, if you would, and all those that are supporting the army and all the families of the army, Ziglag. And when they come back from their time away from their campaign. And when they come back to Ziglag, they find something devastating. And it came to pass, verse 1, when David and his men were come to Ziglag on the third day, that the Amalekites had invaded the south. 
and Ziglag, smitten Ziglag, burned it with fire. So think about this, David and his men come back and all they see is a city on fire. But they don't see dead women. They don't see dead children. In fact, every person has been taken captive. All the women, all the children, all their herds, if you would, all their animals, everything is gone. Don't you know these men felt totally violated? What would you do if you came back and your your house was on fire, but nobody was in there and you didn't know where they were at, knowing that they had left the women and the children in safety, now they were all gone. No bodies. Notice what it says in verse 2, and had taken the women captive that were therein. They slew not any. Nobody was killed, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. And David, so David and his men came into the city. Stay with me. And behold, it was burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captive, kidnapped. And then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept. And please note this, until they had no more power to weep. Hear the wailing, hear the crying, hear the violation. Put yourself in the mindset of what's going on here. These, these rugged men, these men that had, if you would, fought many, many battles, and now they were reduced out of grief and sorrow, uncertainty. Well, David's two wives were taken also, also obviously all his children. But look at verse 6. And David was greatly distressed, greatly. For the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. Please listen. Hurting people do hurt people. And here are these men. They're called in verse 22, men of Belial. Remember, they joined David in the cave and they were in distress. They were in debt. They were discontented and they joined David together. These circumstances that were in their life, David's father's household were all there being threatened to be killed by Saul. And so this conglomerate of men came together and don't think they were in perfect unity or harmony. And now they're speaking of stoning David, David's, if you would, uh, 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 thinking in a distressful way, they're going to kill me. He felt responsible. They were holding him responsible. And then the Bible says this, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Stay with me, leadership in crisis. David encouraged himself. Nobody else was going to encourage him. David encouraged himself. He thought about the Lord. Thank the Lord he had an abiding walk with God. And David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God, his God, his personal God, knowing God. And then David says to Abiathar, the priest, uh, a young man, if you would, that escaped the city of Nob when Doeg the Edomite killed all the priests of the city of Nob, a, a city of priests. And David said, bring me the ephod, a, a garment, if you would, that related to the, to the tabernacle. 
And then he said this, he's holding the ephod. David's holding the ephod. Remember, he's been weeping. All the men are against him. He doesn't know. It's uncertainty. Please listen. It's crisis. And David inquired at the Lord saying, shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, notice capital P, pursue. Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them and without fail recover all. Please listen. Leadership in crisis requires us to be able to hear God's answer. I'll say it again. Leadership in crisis requires that we can still hear the voice of God above the noise going on in our own minds. Don't tell me David's mind wasn't noisy. Don't tell me David's mind wasn't clutter. He had been weeping till he had no more power to weep, and grief is very loud. The concept of grief and hurt and sorrow can be very loud in a mind. The men don't think they were speaking softly to David. These men were hurting. They were rugged men. Don't, don't, don't think they were being kind to David. They threatened him to stone him, had an opinion, blame David, grieved, not knowing if they'd see their wives and their children again. And the noise of that uncertainty and the noise of that grief, and, and I don't know if you've ever had it in your mind, great grief, great disappointment, uh, uh, an emptiness of uncertainty, not knowing what would happen next, a violation, a feeling of great abuse. Whatever the terminology you want to, want to say, David's mind, if you would, had a lot of noise in it. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. Nobody else would. And he was a leader in crisis. And he still needed to hear what God's answer was. It's one thing to cry out to the Lord. It's another thing to be able to hear the answer. And even above the noise of grief, and above the noise of uncertainty, with accusations coming from the men and criticisms, disagreements, no doubt, great confusion, David hears God's answer, pursue. Pursue. Please listen, David's the only one that heard from God that day. Nobody else heard God speak. David heard God speak in his heart, in his mind. And David was retold, Thou shalt recover all. But the men didn't hear that. But David could hear it even above the noise of the crisis. Sometimes there's crisis in our lives. And leaders need to be able to hear above that noise. Above the noise of grief. Above the screaming voice of failure. No doubt David held himself accountable. And I want you to know when we, when we fail at something, 
that failure can be very, very loud and, and almost like a mantra, just continue to play over and over and over again, accusing us. You say you're reading something in, you're embellishing. I don't know what was going on, but I know that David wept till he had no more power to weep. Exhausted himself. And these men weeping, accusing David, threatening David, and they were serious. And that noise. And David had the wherewithal by God. I'm not lifting David up because it was God guiding David to encourage himself. But David asked. What's difficult sometimes in this grief and in this great heartache is we ask, but we can't hear. We can't perceive what the Lord is saying. How many times have you worked with someone or how many times yourself have you been in prayer towards the Lord, but you just, you couldn't formulate the right abiding calmness, quietness to be able to hear. The mind was just reeling louder and louder, caustic possibly. And David was able to hear right in the middle of the crisis. I want to show you a couple things today because what we need to ask the Lord for, Lord, in the middle of, of coming through the crisis and, and then coming out of the crisis where there's going to be different opinions and, and different thoughts and different ways and, and things that we must do that we've never done before. Lord, may we hear your voice. May we hear, may we hear your direction. May we, may we have the experience, and, and my, I want to say, you, we can read about this in the Bible, but we also have to experience it. We have to go through that period of time where, where it's hard to get focused on the Lord because of all the clutter, because of the emotions, because of what people are saying, because of the action, because we were hurting also. And I want you to know God has helped so many humans, both male and female in this Bible, be able to hear his voice and get guidance and direction. And he can do the same for us. He can help us in our homes and our families. He can help us in our ministries and our businesses. He can help us in our professions. He can help us in our relationships. He can help us in our harvest as a church. He can help us to reassemble back together again with all the, the uh, conditions now that are going to be placed upon us for safety, for sanitization, for spacing. We know that it's going to be challenging at times and it's going to be different and not everybody's going to come every time with a great spirit but may I say as long as we can hear God as long as we can hear the Lord as long as we can hear from him as long as the Holy Spirit by God's grace is speaking to us and we can act upon that God can carry us through take your Bible with me and notice, if you would, a verse of Scripture that I think will bear this out a little bit. Look at 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. Stay with me. You're doing great this morning. 
1 Kings chapter number 19. In 1 Kings chapter number 19, familiar scriptures, but I, wanna, I want you to see another uh, type of emotion that we have to fight through sometimes in crisis. So the scripture in 1 Kings chapter 19, thanks for turning there. 1 Kings chapter 19 is just after there's been a great victory, Elisha involved by God's power. And the Bible says in 1 Kings 19 verse 1, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had just done, what Elijah had done, God allowed fire to come down from heaven to destroy her prophets, the prophets of Baal. And now Jezebel has heard this and she's already had the track record of killing God's prophets. And the Bible says this, if you would, in verse number two, that Jezebel sent a messenger under Elijah and she makes a strong, not just a threat, but a promise that he was going to die also as she had killed other prophets. Verse three, when he saw that, he arose and went for his life. Please listen. It was a crisis for Elisha personally. God had just given great victory. God had magnified himself. And now Jezebel comes after Elijah. And Elisha has to run for his life. Please listen. The emotion of fear. And fear is extremely noisome. Fear can be soft, it can be loud, it can be relentless. What do you mean? Watch what happens. He went for his life. He comes to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah. He left his servant, so now he's alone. His servant was with him before. Now, now he's alone in crisis. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, came sat down under a juniper tree. Please listen. It's not a quiet place in his mind. Listen, it may be quiet surrounding the birds singing under the juniper tree, but his mind is not quiet. He's not able to enjoy it. His mind is full of fear, and fear can be very loud and relentlessly attacking, accusing, blaming, whether it be blaming ourselves or blaming others, fear can be extremely loud in crisis. It can manifest itself in so many different ways. Fear can bring uncertainty. Fear can bring up second guessing. Fear can bring up thoughts that had been, if you would, uh, uh, placed in a, in a, in a uh, deposit where you thought it was gone and up it comes again and then memories come up and that fear, it all combines and, and now it's upon you as a heavy cloud, a heavy weight of oppression. And he's sitting under that juniper tree and you say, well, he's just calm and peaceful. No, he's not. He's in fear. He's thinking all kinds of thought. His mind is racing in a negative way and it's very, very loud. And he sat down and he requested for himself that he might die. What do you think's going through his mind? It's not quiet. It's not peaceful. It's loud and relentless and accusatory. And he was hoping, if you would, he said, is enough now, Lord? Oh, Lord, take away my life for I'm not better than my father's. He wants out of the, please listen, torments. Because fear hath torments and they're very loud. 
torments. And he lay, slept under a juniper tree. The angel touches him, causes him to eat a little bit, and then he's going to go for 40 days. Look at verse number 8. And now he's in the strength of that meat, 40 days and 40 nights, not certain what's going on. I don't know his mindset at this period of time, but please listen, I don't think it's peace and calm. I don't think his mind's totally quiet. It's only speculation. I've had the opportunity to fast for 40 days, and I want to tell you, you say, well, you just get more mellow, and you just get, you know, uh, uh, like, a, like a noodle because you're not eating. I want to tell you something. Your mind can do all kinds of things to you during a longer fast, and it's not quiet, and it's not necessarily pleasant. It can be tormenting. It's a battle. That old carnal nature rises up and tries to fight you to want to eat. Calls you all kinds of stuff. I don't know what your experience is, but I want you to know when you're bringing your body under subjection, the body is not just going to roll over and lay down. And the carnal mind, which is enmity against God, is going to rise up and try to go at you and, and go at the Spirit of God and go at the things of God inside of you. What I'm saying to you is, I don't know what his mindset is, but I'm not sure that it was quiet. Noisy, shaken mind. I don't know if he had a shaken mind at this point in time, but I'll guarantee you his mind wasn't totally sound because he just had requested that he was die to die, and he was in fear. So there's a good possibility his mind was shook. Why? It says not to allow our minds to be shaken. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but in this case, he was in fear. And his mind was shook and he didn't have a sound mind and all kinds of thoughts going on. How do you know that? Well, when he asked, God asked him, what doest thou here? Notice what's on his mind. Verse number 10, please look at it. He says, I, even I only am left. He's alone out there. He's feeling like he's the only prophet now. The only one standing for God. And please listen, he doesn't just say that once. He says it again in verse number 14. Because when fear comes in, relentless mantra type negative thoughts can just roll over in your mind over and over and over again. And you can't stop them. The mind just keeps playing it and replaying it and replaying it. And thoughts come up. And you want to say, I just don't want to think about that anymore. But it keeps replaying. And he's thinking, I, even I, only, and left. And it's not a quiet thought. It's not a peaceful thought. It's a thought wrapped around with fear and uncertainty. And he just wants out. What do you mean he wants out? He's in crisis. He says, Lord, it's enough. Take away my life. What he was saying is, I want out. I want to run. I want to get away from this. I can't handle it. He said, but he's the prophet. He just saw God drop fire down from heaven at his prayer. But what a time for a counter attack. And fear has him gripped, and it's not quiet and peaceful. 
He's probably all over the place in his mind. You say, you're making something up. If you've ever been there, if you've ever experienced some of this kind of stuff, it's tormenting. And you just want out, but you can't stop the mind because the old nature, the carnal nature, or principalities and powers, or whatever you want to call it, however you want to describe it, whatever psychological term you want to put on it, it is a battleground going on in your mind, and it's not quiet. And it's not peaceful. And he's still a leader. He's the prophet. Please follow. Verse number 11. And he said, go forth and stand upon the mount. He's in a cave. And so he comes out of that cave. He hasn't eaten. That fear hasn't gone away. That uncertainty. That unknowing future. And he can't get out of it. And he says, stand upon the mount. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks. Please listen before the Lord. When rocks break, the sound is deafening. Cracking rocks. I don't know if you've heard ever rocks breaking, large boulders breaking. You know, this strong wind, if you've ever been in, in, in hurricane or cyclone type winds, it's noisome. It, it sounds like a freight train coming at you. The Lord was not in that wind. After the wind and earthquake, I've been in a few earthquakes. And I want to tell you, not only does the ground shake and things rattle, but even if you're out in the distance from everything, that ground shaking everything, there can be sound involved. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake of fire, and, and how many of you heard the sounds of a fire? A great fire which... You've experienced, can have whirlwinds involved, loud, cracking, noisy, deafening, creating more fear. But the Lord was not in the fire. Stay with me. And then, after the fire, a still, small voice, please listen, and Elijah heard it. Please listen, in the crisis of his mind, Elijah heard it. It was still. What do you mean still? Uh, the concept of still was quiet and calm, not agitated. He heard the nature of the voice, the characteristics of the voice. It was a voice that was still. It was, it was not agitated. It was calm. It was quiet. There was meekness in the voice. It was small. Small means gentle or soft. So it was a calm, gentle, quiet, soft voice. All the characteristics of God. had the attributes of God. And he went out and listened to it. And the voice talked to him. 
And even in the midst of the crisis, Elijah understood the voice and heard the voice. And I want to just stay right on that concept today that in the midst of the crisis, we must be able by God's grace to hear his voice. It's a unique voice. There's only one like it. It's got the characteristics of the attributes of God. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, long-suffering. Speaking of patience. Has all those attributes. And in the midst of the crisis, we must, by God's grace, and I say grace, not because of our ability, but by his grace, by his teaching us, we still must be able to hear the voice of the Lord to guide us, to direct us, to reason with us, to comfort us, if necessary, to rebuke us, to care for us. Take your Bible uh, one more time, if you would, and I want you to go to Acts chapter number 27. Acts chapter number 27. Thanks for staying with me. I'm, I'm watching. I, I usually have to say, uh, I know what's next is tea time, but I don't think there's a break for tea time. Although I do enjoy that fellowship, if you would. Acts chapter number 27. The book of Acts chapter number 27, a little faster now. In Acts chapter 27, this is where uh, Paul is in the Eurocladon tempest. Strong winds out on the ocean. And I had the opportunity to sail a small boat between San Diego and Samoa. And we hit quite a few different storms. And we're on the tail end of a hurricane. So I've been out where there's been winds and waves and the breaking up. In this case of the ship, ours didn't break up. But being tossed about. Look at verse number 18. Verse number 18. And we being exceedingly tossed with the tempest. I want to tell you, it's loud. It's not soft. It's not quiet. It's not secure. You're being tossed all over the place in an exceeding tempest. Dark. No sun. No moon. No stars. You'll see that in verse number 20. Darkness. Fear. Uncertainty. You don't know what's in the water. You don't know what's going to hit next. You don't know. In this case, they were coming closer to shore. You don't know where the rocks are. You don't know where the depth is. There's all kinds of things running through your mind. And I want to say it's not so calm. The mariners were extremely scared, fearful, superstitious. And I want to tell you that that power of the, of the waves and the wind the wind bringing up those waves and crashing into that ship. And you know that's the only thing and you, you couldn't swim out of it if it all breaks up at that time. And it was dark, eerie, fearful. But I want you to see in verse 21, after long obstinance, Paul stood forth in the midst. And he says to them, sirs, you should have hearkened unto me. Please listen. Paul, when he got on the ship, had no influence, none. There was a captain of the ship. There was a centurion soldier in charge of the guard of Paul. So there was a centurion soldier and guards, and Paul was in chains. There was the captain, and there was the mariners, and Paul had absolutely no influence, none. But by the end of the journey, 
Everybody was looking to Paul. But it was because of God. But it was because of Paul staying, if you would, in fellowship with God. And even in the midst of that noise out there, that, that tempest, notice what he says, verse number 22, and now I exhort you to be of good cheer. What a, what a strange statement for those mariners to hear. What a strange statement for the captain to hear that's trying to save the ship. What a strange thing to hear by the centurion. No doubt, a great warrior on land, but on a ship, he's just a centurion. And the guards, the rest of the prisoners. The Bible says, be a good cheer, he said. There shall no loss be of any man's life among you, but of the ship. Don't you think right now their thinking is a little bit crazy? And then he says this, for there stood by me this night the angel of God who I am, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, fear not, statement, Paul in the midst of the storm, the confusion, the fear, the uncertainty, heard the messenger come and say, fear not. Leadership in crisis needs to hear the Lord. Fear not, Paul called him by name, personal. That'll help us in a crisis. Fear not your name. Thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Let's go back. We know that David at Ziglag heard God say, even with the noise going on, pursue. Hear God sends an angel to say to Paul, fear not, Paul. Out just outside of the cave, Elijah heard that still, small, that gentle, quiet, calm voice to speak to him. We need that. We need that even now. I pray for someone listening that this message is current, that you need to hear from the Lord now. Even in the midst of things that are going on, never had the opportunity to go down this particular path before, or if we've gone down this path, we've never gone down it this far before to where there's going to be new procedures and, and new rules and new things that we have to comply with and new feelings, new opinions of people. There's a little bit of the unknown in front of us, but if we can just hear something from the Lord, we know it'll be all guided by Him and it'll be all right. Let me give you one more illustration, if you would. Take your Bible and look at Acts chapter number 16, and we'll get ready to close with this. Acts chapter number 16. Leadership in crisis. Please, Lord, let us hear from you. Acts chapter number 16. Lord, you're the one who chose us to be the leader. You're the one that allowed us to be a mother. You're the one, Lord, that allowed us to be a wife. You're the one, Lord, that allowed me to be a father, to be a husband. Lord, you allowed me to be a mentor. Father, you allowed me to be a business leader. 
Lord, you give me the position in life. I know uh, maybe I thought I did something to earn it, but you've given me what I've been allowed to lead. And, and if I'm having someone that follows or I have influence on someone, Lord, it's you that's given me the mind to do that. And so, Lord, I need to hear from you, please. I'm not demanding, I'm begging. There's a difference. You don't demand of God. You beg of God. Lord, please, speak. And then we need to hear. And we may be the only one that hears. Elijah was alone. And he heard something that he needed for himself. David was in a group of men, but he was out there. And even though they surrounded him, he was alone. He had to encourage himself in the Lord, but he needed to hear what they were supposed to do next, what he was supposed to lead them to do, pursue. And he was the only one that heard that. Paul needed to hear for all those men on that ship, for the captain, for the mariners, for the centurion, for the soldiers, and for all the prisoners, he needed to hear. And then I'll ask you to turn this last one. Look at Acts chapter number 16. Acts chapter number 16, you're familiar with it, but notice what happens in Acts chapter 16. Look, if you would, at verse number 18, please. And this did she many days. You could read the context. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. So Paul had released, if you would, this woman from her bondage. When her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, she was one that could predict the future by the evil spirit. When they saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas, drew them into the marketplace and the rulers, brought them to the magistrate saying, these men being Jews do exceeding trouble our city, teaching customs which are not lawful for us to receive and neither to observe being Romans. We're the, we're the elitists. We're superior. Well, what had happened is God had just released that woman from that spirit of divination, and they were mad about it. Verse 22, and the multitude rose together against them, rent, and the, and the magistrate rent off their clothes, commanded to beat them. And the Bible says they laid many stripes, painful, loud. Pain can be very loud. Pain. They had done nothing to deserve it. Pain has a voice. Emotional pain, physical pain, it has a voice. It cannot always be trusted. Went to the prison, charged the prison keeper, the jailer, to keep them safely. So knowing what they told him and knowing that they were, if they got free, that his life was on the line, the jailer thrust them into the inner prison and put their feet 
fast in the stocks. So they're so their feet is bound and then they're, they're in the deepest part, most secure part of the prison. Please listen, even in that pain, even that suffering, even treated wrongfully, even a victim, if you would, but they weren't acting like a victim. They heard the Holy Ghost tell them to sing. Leadership in crisis. And at midnight, Paul and Silas, first of all, they prayed. They focused on God above the noise, above the pain. No doubt they were thanking him. And sang praises, please listen, unto God. They weren't singing to the prisoners. This was all incense up to the Lord. They sang praises unto God above the noise, above the pain, above the unfairness. They were leaders in crisis. This was a darkened prison. They didn't know they were about ready to become leaders of the prisoners and leaders of the jailer. They didn't know what was about ready to happen at the jailer's house as many were going to get saved. They didn't know all that, but they had listened in prayer and they were led to sing and they began singing to God. No doubt the prisoners heard them. Didn't matter how good they were at singing. It was what they said. It was their spirit. It was being empowered by God and the prisoners heard them. And then suddenly, God did a miracle and there was an earthquake and you know the story and you can read on. But they became leaders in crisis. But they had to, when they prayed, follow what they were being led to do, perceiving, and they sang. I don't know what they sang, but I know God was pleased with it. In pain, no medical no, better, no medical, if you would, uh, ointment or salve or dressing of the wounds, just open wounds from that severe beating and whipping. Think about what their body must have been experiencing in pain. Dried, and I won't go into detail, blood. But they fought through that pain. And they were leaders in crisis, and God raised them up. God can do that for us. Coming off of this current situation, there's going to be opinions. If you read and listen to the news, they're blaming each other and consternation, who's right, who's wrong. There'll be opinions on when we should be able to come back, restrictions, people with power plays, leaders. We pray for our leaders. We pray for our nation. We pray for our government. You should be praying for parliament. You should be praying for your prime minister. We pray for those leading, if you would, the, the different uh, provinces, the different organizations of the, of the country that you have. We know some will be on power trips. We have that going on over here, and we have to be patient, yet be obedient to God. And God may tell us just to be patient. He may show us what we need to do next. 
But the main thing is we hear his voice. Like David heard the voice of God. Like Elijah heard the voice of God. Like Paul heard the voice of God. Like Paul and Silas. We need to be leaders in crisis. But it needs to be God telling us what to do how to do it, the right spirit, the right attitude, the right timing, the right scriptures, the right example. And I pray that for myself also, for our staffing, for our homes, for our businesses, for our reassembling back together, that we all hear the voice of God because the wonderful thing about Christianity it just doesn't need to be one person we could all right now hear from God every one of us listening every one of you whether you're in New Zealand Australia different parts of Australia New Guinea America wherever it is that people are listening in God could speak to you personally right now about your home your family your business your marriage your relationships, your health, your security, your future. Even right now, he could speak to you about your salvation and your need for salvation. And if you haven't yet become a child of God, born again by the Spirit of God, you could come to him right now if God's speaking and drawing you to you. He'll give you the faith. He's the author of our faith. And when you get that faith, it, it might be a little uncomfortable in perception what's going on, but he's drawing you to your, himself. And you'll be convicted and want to ask God's forgiveness. He's kind. He's gentle. It might be a still small voice telling you, You need to be born again. You need to become a child of God. You need to ask me, not me, but him. But the spirit may say you need to ask me or ask God for forgiveness unto salvation. It may not be audible, but it'll be a perception in your mind. And you just need to humbly come before him whether you bow a knee whether you drop your head but your spirit needs to be humble asking him for the forgiveness of sin in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ who came and died shed his blood to pay the price for sin and you don't even have to understand all that you just need to call upon his name you say what do you mean you don't need to understand when we come by faith to ask Christ for the forgiveness of sin. We don't understand the whole atonement. I remember when I got saved, I I didn't know what atonement was. I just know that God led me to humbly come before him in a sorrowful, repentant attitude, asking for the forgiveness of sin for life eternal, to escape eternal death being cast away from his presence forever. And you could call upon him right now 
above the noise of your mind for salvation. If you're not sure how, Good Shepherd on that website, there's a place to ask for help. Or you could contact anyone over there or even myself. Salvation is so important. I don't want to take it for granted that everybody's listening in is saved right now. You might have just been going through channels and somehow came upon this or heard about it and God's reaching out to you right now for salvation. You personally through a person in San Diego just as a messenger. I can't save you, but I can tell you God loves you. And if the Spirit of God is bearing witness to you right now, it'll be like God speaking to you saying, how long are you going to wait? Accept my love for you. Not mine, but God's. And you could ask for forgiveness right now. For the Christian, may God help us to be good leaders in crisis and hear his still, small, gentle, patient, non-agitated, quiet, calm direction above the noise going on around us. Let's pray. Father, please bless those that are listening. Take away the distractions just for a moment, Lord. Help us as leaders, both male, female, young, old, even someone listening that doesn't even know they're a leader, doesn't know they're coming into a leadership position and role. Just like, Lord, you had two men in a prison that didn't know they were going to lead the prisoners that night and lead the jailer and his family. Lord, help the one that doesn't even know they're becoming a leader. May they and may we be able to hear you, Lord, above the noise going on in our lives and around us of uncertainty, of grief, of fear, of opinions, of consternation, of pestilence, of noisome pestilence, Lord, of noisome pestilence and all that's going on with the world and the economy and the politics and the cities and the restrictions and the complaining and the dying and the death and the hurting and the heartache and the sorrow and the grief. May we be able to hear you, Lord, please. In Jesus' name. Amen.